Today's homily is all about evangelization. It's about proclaiming and sharing Jesus Christ with others. It might seem like more of a Pentecost homily, right? Pentecost, the Spirit comes, and the apostles get unleashed into the public square, and they begin preaching and proclaiming. But this gospel is so rich in the preparation for that and what it means for us to be witnesses by word and deed of Jesus. You know, our mission statement at St. Rose, the last part of it is invite everyone. That's about evangelization. It's about inviting everyone, not just like to come to like a mass or an event or a thing, but to invite everyone to have a life-changing friendship with Jesus Christ. That's what that's about. And two of the most powerful images of evangelization are right here in the gospel, fishing and shepherding. Going out to fish, to catch souls for Christ, and also to help people to come together as one flock under one shepherd, to be a community that, that travels together, not just as individuals. So we'll talk about evangelization today, and this has been on my heart for a long time because I, I have a dream that one day at St. Rosalima that we'll have people from all nations and all languages just streaming in to listen to God's Word here our neighbors, our friends, a dream that, that our parishioners will just find it typical to go knock on doors in their neighborhood and just to meet people, invite them into their homes, invite them to pray. I look forward to the day when, for all of us, we're so evangelized ourselves that it's just normal at the dinner table to talk about where we met Jesus that day. Where did you experience Christ today? What was the Lord doing today? Let's talk about it. Right over dinner. Just something so normal, so everyday. So with that in mind, here are our three scenes from the gospel and what the Lord is teaching us about our call to evangelize, to be witnesses, to share the good news. The first scene is this. As the church... We evangelize together. As the church, we evangelize together. Jesus told the disciples to go meet him in Galilee after the resurrection. So they go up here and Peter goes back to fishing, something he knows very well. He gets in the boat and he says to his other disciples, I'm going fishing. Harkens back to when they were first called, when Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That image of fishing is, is so powerful in winning souls for Christ. Did you know that there are Catholics right now who go fishing for souls in big cities? They'll go to a big city, they'll pray together beforehand, they'll say, Lord, show us who you're looking for. And someone in prayer will get an image, like, I see like a guy with a yellow shirt, a green earring, and flip-flops. I don't know why, but that's what I'm getting. They go out in the city. They start just talking to people in the public areas, in the, in the marketplaces, in the squares, in the restaurants, and all of a sudden, oh, here's, here's a guy walking down. He's got the yellow shirt, green earring, flip-flops. Let's talk to him. They begin talking to him. They begin praying with him. He experiences a, a healing. He's like, what is going on? Jesus is fishing through us. He's evangelizing through us and doing it together as a group, as a community. So when Peter says, I'm going fishing, the other disciples say, we'll go with you too. 
You won't be like alone in the boat out there, Peter. We'll go with you too. Because we evangelize together. I remember years back, you know that I'm part of this priestly fraternity called the Companions of Christ, where we were diocesan priests living in community. I remember reading this verse many years ago, and it just wrecked me. I was praying about this before I had this providential meeting with Archbishop Flynn to ask him about this group in Minnesota. And I read those lines, we will go with you too. And I just melted. Because I was like, Lord, that's what I want, is I want to serve you and live the good news. Like, I don't want to do it alone. I want brothers. I want, I want a community. And this verse was just so powerful for me. And the same thing for us as well. We, we go together to fish. That's why Jesus sent them two by two in his early ministry. That's why he calls us to use all of our gifts and talents for the body of Christ. Not everyone is a hand or a foot or an eye or a heart in the body of Christ, but together we serve one another. Everyone has a role to play. That even begins in simple ways in how we just serve each other and minister to each other as a community. We we have a lot of of roles to fill to help welcome people into worship, friends. Like, for example, I've been asking for some additional ushers for like a month now. I've got four people to sign up. We need a lot of other people to help with our live stream projection ministries. We serve a lot of people. We, we need more. We, we need your gifts. Not all of evangelization is like doing a ministry, but like this is an important part. We do it as a community. We do it together. We got to share our gifts and our time if we want to evangelize for the Lord. Because as a church, we evangelize together. That's the first thing. The second scene is this. Jesus is the only evangelist in the church. Jesus is the only evangelist in the church. Without Jesus' words on the seashore, they catch nothing all night long. And as soon as he speaks and they listen to him, they pull in this huge catch of fish. And as a church, without the word of Jesus, the church doesn't catch anyone. They throw the net over, as Jesus says. They have this miraculous catch, just like at the beginning. 153 fish. You may wonder, like, what's up with the fish? Well, St. Jerome says that the ancient Greeks thought there were 153 different species of fish in the sea. And so this represents that the church holds within herself all the nations of the earth, every language, tribe, and tongue is meant to be called into Jesus' church, and the net will not break. Now, when John on the boat realizes, oh, this is actually Jesus on the seashore, he says, it is the Lord. And Peter jumps into the lake right away. It's kind of like, remember on Easter Sunday when they hear that the women report that Jesus is alive, and Peter and John run to the tomb? And who runs faster? Who gets there first? John. So maybe in this scene when John says this, Peter's like, I'm not missing my chance. Just goes into the water. Going to beat John there. I don't know. But the point is, without Jesus, we can do nothing. And so even if, if we follow Jesus, who is really the only evangelist in the church, and we're called to jump out of the boat to come closer to him, it's going to look a little silly to other people. We might even seem a little strange to our our fellow disciples in the pews. Like, what are you doing jumping out of boats? Like, hey, I'm just trying to get closer to Jesus. Without him, I can't do anything. 
I go to him for joy. This means as a church, the foundation of our evangelization, the foundation of inviting people into a life-changing friendship with Jesus is not based on our outrage over social problems, as great as those problems are. Our evangelization is not founded, first of all, on our political affiliation or how smart we are, how much money we have. The foundation of our evangelization is in remaining in friendship with Jesus and going to Him wherever we find Him, through the Scriptures, through prayer, through the sacraments, through fellowship, through service. He's the only evangelist, and so we have to remain close to Him to catch anyone. That's number two. The third and final scene, Jesus sends us to evangelize even though we sin. Jesus sends us to evangelize even though we sin. And Jesus has showed up to the apostles, to the disciples a few times, but there's one awkward thing that hasn't been talked about yet. You know, the fact that they all abandoned him in his time of need. That Peter denied him, others fled. Peter, who said at the Last Supper, Lord, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And then here's Jesus. He's making breakfast for his friends. How beautiful is that? Jesus is making bread and fish on the fire. He's always the servant. And as the apostles come up, we read that Jesus is cooking that food on a charcoal fire. There's only two places in the New Testament that a charcoal fire is mentioned. The first place is this. What's the other one? Well, remember on Holy Thursday, when Jesus is arrested, he's taken to the, the house of the high priest, he's imprisoned, it's dark, and Peter sneaks into the courtyard of the high priest to kind of like find out what's happening to Jesus. And they begin to ask him in the darkness, like, hey, aren't you one of his disciples too? He's like, no, 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 not me. And as they keep asking him, three times Peter denies he even knows Jesus, cursing and swearing. And then the cock crows. And he realizes, Jesus predicted this. You will deny me. And at that moment when Peter realizes, oh no, where is he standing? Next to a charcoal fire. So imagine that. So right there, Jesus is sitting with the charcoal fire in front of him. He's looking at Simon Peter. Can you imagine the power of the scene? And he asks him simply three times, Simon, do you love me? He wants his love. And in that moment when they're both looking at the charcoal fire and they're both remembering, what does Jesus not say? Jesus doesn't say, Peter, how could you? Like, that, like that's what I would say, right? <laughs> Jesus doesn't say, okay, Peter, we're going to go through your performance evaluation now. Doesn't do that either. Jesus doesn't say, Peter, I'm actually going to put John in charge of the church because at least he came back to the cross and hung out for a while with Mary and Mary Magdalene. No. Instead, what does Jesus do? Jesus simply 
begs for Peter's love. He's searching for his love. He wants him to respond that he loves him. Three times his love in place of the three times he denied him. And this is the key for us, that our call to evangelize the world comes from Christ. Even though we sin, even though we're broken and in need of healing, even though we make mistakes, his call is the same. And the key, to is, the key is to abide in the look and the love of Jesus, who asks all of us by name, do you love me? In spite of all the things we've done, all the things we've come from, do you love me? And how awesome is this that in the moment when Jesus has every opportunity to punish Simon Peter, rightly so, and to shame him and to show him his guilt and to remind him of everything he did that night when he was arrested, at that moment when he could have the perfect opportunity for all of that, what does he do? He commissions Simon Peter. He says, I want you to attend to my flock, feed my lambs, take care of my disciples, evangelize the world. I mean, Peter didn't expect this at all. But there's the call right in the midst of his need for mercy. It's the same call. It's the same thing for us. Even though we sin, even though we're in need of healing, Jesus sends us to evangelize by word and by deed. The last words that Jesus says to Peter, the last words he says to him in the whole Gospel of John is he commissions him. He says, go and be a shepherd. Go tend the flock. And the last word he speaks to him, actually the last two words, the last two words he says to Simon Peter in the whole Gospel there is, follow me. Follow me. You are my evangelist. You are my disciple. You are meant to tell others what you've experienced. Others need my mercy. Jesus says to Simon Peter and to all of us for all time, follow me.